just going to sing the whole morning. I love it, man. It's, listen, when, it, when we hear that music on Fridays, I don't know about you, but I get jazzed. Pump you up. Oh, Pump yes, you yes, up. yes. Good afternoon. Good morning, everybody. It's afternoon somewhere in a time zone further east. But uh, good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, wherever you are. This is Down and Dirty. I'm your host, Mario Nunez. And, of course, I'm looking across the desk at my co-host. John Dingfelder. Good morning, Mario. Hey, How's Johnny? it going? It's been better. Listen, I, 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 I've got this. You, this is not my normal voice. I think anybody that knows what my voice sounds like, it sounds a little nasally, does it not? Yeah, you're a little under the weather. Yeah, I'm a little bit. But I'm I, glad I, you're sitting six feet away. And I'm not contagious. We have the six-foot rule going on tested, here. And I've tested, yeah, we remember that rule, don't we? And, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I, I've tested uh, three times negative this week, so it's nothing like that. But whatever this thing is, it's got a grip. And it won't let go, won't relent. So today, breaking down... I'm going to go ahead and get some stuff and take care of this, knock it out once and for all. But it's been a, an eventful week, has it not, on the political scene? I mean, national oh political my. scene? Oh what my are we doing? My. Deja vu all over again. Here we are. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Listen, it's pretty scary. We talked about it pregame here that, you know, uh, this should have been over with grab him by the P. This should have been over with then. Yeah. And it's persisted and it's persisted. And now I think it's baked into the cake. And we can talk to our guest a little bit about that. I know that's not our subject matter today, but he's got opinions on everything. But it's, it, it, I saw in one of the highlights from uh, New Hampshire. Uh, New Hampshire. Was there a highlight? Yeah, yeah. One of the, one of the highlights, lowlights. One of the lowlights was a, a couple that was interviewed and a lady who said, and I'm quoting loosely, uh, he, is, he is a divine inspiration. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's a divine inspiration sent here from God. She was talking about Joe Biden? Yes. And, and, and so where's my bell? And so there it is. Look at my guy. Look at my guy. So full disclosure, full disclosure, those of you that know, I have a bell that I have on the set with me, and I ring it whenever it's an appropriate moment. And, uh, and today, I left the house so discombobulated that I didn't bring my bell with me. But our board operator extraordinaire, Skip, He's on the scene, and he's got me. So the thank you. The key question this morning is, can you spell discombobulated? No, okay. not at all. Me neither. That, that was why I we'll mentioned have, it. We'll have but to we rely do, on our guests. We have that. a scribe here with us that I'm sure can. So, uh, But, yeah, it's been, it's been quite the week. I don't know what we're going to do. I will say this. If it continues on this path, it should be clear because the numbers that they're not, they're not talking about is how many of – uh, and, and again, we lose. The, the races are won and lost in, the, in this time on the margins. So our guest is arriving. So races are won and lost uh, in the margins, and he's disenfranchising so many people that I think it's going to make it easier for President Biden to to seek to to attain his reelection than not. And uh, you know, the ageism thing has nothing to do with anything, really and truthfully. This is going to boil down to quite simply: uh, Do you want to sustain democracy? Or, or are you are you willing to to give all of your rights up and and do this this nastiness that you know we weren't alive you and I weren't alive and our guest wasn't alive uh, in the 1930s when when Europe was doing its thing and uh, and we had to send money uh, and, and blood and treasure over there to 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 stop it to blunt it. There's well, a lot of pessimism out there, but I am optimistic. That come November, our country will come to its prevail, senses. Prevail, right? We'll and prevail, and, and, and we'll and we'll do good, good do what it always will, does. Good Be, things will happen. I, good things. Yes. Good things. All right. <laughs> so, thank you. We we are we are settling in here in the studio. We can introduce our guest to you in just a couple of minutes. Uh, we want to go ahead and load the phones up, the phone lines. Irene is standing by. She's again part of the team on Friday morning. We had a lot of good calls last week. Listen, that our callers are. I, I will a, say this: our callers are out. Our listeners are out there. Thank you, thank you, DJ Spaceship. 
And and thank you, Miss Yvette, for for coming in. So so I, I can say this: our callers are they're feeling more confident and comfortable with us now on Fridays. And I think we're either we're doing the right thing. Our subject matter is attractive enough because people are calling in and they're adding to the content. Yeah. And we this is a dialogue; it's not a monologue. So even though you and I and our guests certainly have a conversation in studio, it's also incumbent upon the listeners to join in because it's invaluable. So let me give you that number now. The studio line is 813-239-9663. If you feel like you want to send us something in written word, dj at wmnf.org. And you can text us also. Skip, I think that's the text number there, correct? 813-433-0885. So along with my bell, my cue cards, and all of my accoutrements, another fancy word, French, French fancy word. You know, the French, they have fancy words. I'm just saying. (laughs) Um, We don't know how to spell that either. But join the conversation. Please give us a call today. Now we can introduce you to our guests so that you know what our subject matter will be. And when it comes to calls, uh, we're going to get started on the show for about 10 or 15 minutes and hear from these fantastic and brilliant guests that we have. And then uh, probably about uh, 1030, we'll start. And dear friends as well. So, you know, you can, we calls. can start right there. And they're not friends. just uh, very talented and, and smart people, but they're our friends. That too. All right. Uh, ladies first, we'll start with the, Yvette Lewis has joined us in the studio. Good morning, Yvette. Good morning, everyone. Yeah. Um, hold on, we got to work on your mic. Say it again. Good morning, everyone. Beautiful, beautiful. Perfect. And can you hear us? Yes. Okay. So uh, Yvette Lewis is uh, is chair or president of president president of the local chapter of the NAACP, mm-hmm. and she's done that for several years that I'm familiar with. Yes. And uh, and she's been involved in NAACP for I think a couple of decades. So yeah, you we, can say that. We so appreciate uh, your efforts. Uh, uh, the the voice uh, voice for the people and and we know we can always count on you to mm-hmm. to be there uh, fighting the fight. Thank you. Yeah, how you doing today? I am doing wonderful. I am feeling really good here and just loving every minute of it. Yeah. So Yvette and I, uh, as a side note, we had a good time a couple of years ago when the uh, when the when the Bucks won the Super Bowl, <laughs> <laughs> and we were we were invited to go out on a boat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and Yvette, Yvette and I sat next to each other, and, and she held my hand and, and gripped it so tightly, it's still suffering. And that not feeling that boat experience too much? No. Okay. Not that. Land likes, lover, yeah. land lover. Yeah. She likes the dry land. Yeah, you go. Anyway, I like to tease her on that. Um, our next guest is Paul Guzzo. Paul's a, uh, a reporter for the Tampa Bay Times and a, and a good friend. Uh, Paul came from uh, the Tribune. Before that, or just directly from La Gazette? Uh, no, I was at the Tribune, and then uh, when the Times uh, bought the Tribune, I moved over to the Times. Yeah, one of the few who made the transition over. But uh, Paul's an amazing reporter, um, covering all sorts of just really interesting. I, I, that's the best thing. Lynn and I will read a story, we'll start reading a story, and we'll just say, that's a Paul story, <laughs> before we even see the byline. Um, but but uh, you do a great job, and and the topic we're talking about today is is uh, lost African American cemeteries, and uh, and and we'll get in get into that in a second. Paul, how are you today? I'm good. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And I was I was briefing up uh, in the last couple of days, reading reading all the stories you've done. I bet you've lost track. There's <laughs> no way you read all of them. Yeah, you, you don't have that. That's you don't a, have that that's type a of time. false statement. <laughs> But but it's just an amazing and sad and tragic story. 
Yeah. But uh, so let's start with you, Paul. Is um, you know how did this begin? Uh, and and I I know the gentleman you're about to talk about, but how did this begin? Uh, you know it's. It's, it's kind of crazy how it started. I wrote what I thought was a throwaway story on a axe murderer from 100 years ago. It was just kind of this interesting piece of Tampa history that nobody really ever had you written love about. The, you love the gore. Yeah. You, you uh, love the gore. And in, in the story, there was a riot after they arrested the axe murderer. There was a riot at the prison. People were trying to get in because they thought he was going to get innocent and they wanted, you know, vigilante justice. And in my story, I wrote in passing, and three or four people died, however, in, in the riot. And I get an email a few days later from this gentleman, Ray Reed, and he says, I'm really offended that you didn't give those people names um, who died in that riot. And I said, well, how am I supposed to know their names? And he immediately <laughs> replied with their death certificates. Wow. And he explains that he, he used to uh, be part of the county's indigent health care program. And in retirement— he started this project of trying to find out everybody who is buried in the county's potter's field with, with unmarked graves. The cemetery for all people, thousands of people buried there. Most people don't have a marker or a name. So he starts going through death records to find out who is buried there because he said in death, they, they deserve to have recognition. I thought this is a fascinating story. This is great work this guy's doing. I go, I spend a few days with him. And, I, you know, we're saying goodbye, myself and uh, then Times photographer James Borchuk. He said, well, you know, the real story isn't what I'm doing here. I said, what's that? <laughs> he said, the real story is Zion. I said, what's Zion? He says, nobody really knows. He said, it seems like it was located where Robles Park Village is. Everybody who was buried there was black. Um, and the cemetery is obviously gone. I said, what does that mean? He said, that means the bodies are still there. That sounds a little insane. You know, that's yeah. tinfoil hat stuff. That, that, right. That's not possible. How could a cemetery be built over a hundred years ago, no one's ever known. But, you know, I thought, all right, I'll look into it. So slowly but surely, I would dip my toe in, look at one thing, look at another. So it's 2017, 2018? It, it, the last burial, I think, was... No, I mean, your, your story. Oh, 2019. 2019, 2019, your conversation with Ray. Yeah, and so... Uh, shout I, out to Ray Reed. I started looking into it, and the more I looked into it, the more I started realizing, oh, wait, this is real. And at that point, we just kind of jumped in you know, head first, and after nine months of research, you know, we published our first story. Wow, nine months of research. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, I, I, I give a shout out to the Tampa Bay Times, too, because, you know, stories like that deserve to be told, but you've got to have the time to do it. And, and I know you put a lot of time into it. Well, the thing is, so if you read the first story, you see how carefully we word it. We couldn't say the bodies were still there. We sure. had no proof. That sure. would have taken ground-penetrating radar or a shovel— um, so what we had to do was we had to f prove that there was no evidence they were moved. Right. So that, that's first pulling all the death records we could, um, and then entering every name in every cemetery database in the county to see if any had been moved. I, we literally walked Memorial Park with a list of 400 names right. looking on every headstone for them. And then it's... Memorial look, Park being... Not about a mile or two away yeah. as a possibility that it, that these bodies could have been moved. It's the only all-black cemetery that dates back to when Zion disappeared. So if they were going to be moved any anywhere, it would have been there. In the 20s? It opened in 1919, and the, Zion disappeared in the 20s. In the 20s. So um, so, so geographically, for this is we're talking to seven or eight counties today. Geographically, where are we talking about Zion? 
Uh, Zion is where Robles Park Village, uh, the 3700 block of North Florida Avenue, Seminole, Tampa Heights area. Hillboro okay. County. The, the cross street would be, what, just south of Lake, MOK? Yeah, uh, around Lake in Florida. Okay, just south of MOK for yeah. people from who, yeah. who aren't temp. Tampeños? Tampeños. <laughs> Absolutely. Keep Thank practicing, John. Thank keep practicing. You, Mario. I'll, I'll keep working at it. So where? Do, so let's see. You you wrote the story. Uh, was Yvette in that first story? Yeah. After we'd collected all our research and we were confident we had a story, I, I sent Yvette an email. And I was like, this may seem a little bizarre, but I'd like to get together. And she responded within the hour. And I think we were over at her office the next day. And we kind of presented all of our findings to her. And you said what, Yvette? Mm-hmm. Mm. I was at wow, and then I responded. I was like, "Are you sure you want to do this story?" <laughs> You're right. And and I why, said, why did you say that to Paul? Well, because honestly, um, telling this story it's not going to make a lot of people feel good, mm-hmm. and it's really going to probably pretty much expose some of the mistrust or mishate or um, the ill things that happen to African-American people. And somebody's going to be at fault for it. So I asked him to protect himself because I can't pay his bills. So are you sure you want to do this? Sure Is you want to do this. They want, you know, the, the Times want y'all, want you to tell the story. And I kept asking him this over and over because he was exposing um, the ugly truth. And the ugly truth being what? Just uh, power and lack of power and racism. Total disregard for an entire segment of the population. Pretty much um, how um, racism and black folks were, their voice was silenced. And and I'm pretty sure some of them saw and knew what was going on because it's so many graves there. And so now you're exposing who was a part of it and who had a hand of it. And so, um, and people don't like to hear all the that. So. So going back to uh, 29 or perhaps in the 30s, 40s or 50s, who was responsible? So a lot of people. Um, the, the um, when the city, so. Well, let's, 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 let's freeze frame to now, right now, when you say Robles Park, a lot of people don't know what that means. Robles Park Village yeah. is part of the Tampa Housing Authority. Yeah. I think a third of the cemetery property is mm-hmm. is under Robles Park Village and their parking lots and that sort of thing. And then the other two-thirds are under private ownership, correct? Yeah, then um, it's uh, a car lot and then warehouses uh, that the Columbia Restaurant uh, uses. But so what— so Robles Park used to be known as Robles Pond. It was um, a black community that that formed um, immediately after the Civil War. You know, they kind of, and when you form your own community, remember, this was before there were roads. So what do you need? You need a, if you have your own community to be insulated, you need a church, a school, and a cemetery, right? So that's what they had. Zion was that community cemetery. Um at one point, then the city, Robles, Robles Pond, was not part of the city. It was outside city limits. When this, As the city expanded and took over that property, they— Sort of north of the scrub. It's north, yes. Yeah, because the scrub was sort of toward downtown, what became cent, uh, Central—what uh, is it? Central, Central Avenue, Avenue. yeah. Jackson House. That was the scrub, which mm-hmm. was really goes back <clears throat> to the Civil War. 
And then, but this is kind of as the population grew, I guess, and probably a little bit higher in, in terms of altitude, this was a little bit further up the street. I mean, you're talking, I think the first, um, it was platted, you know, that, that Rubble's Pond was first mapped, you're talking, in the, I think, in the 1880s. So I'm going to guess that immediately after the Civil War, a, 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 a collection of residents said, let's go start our own community out there. Mm. Paul, Paulie, for context, and so people that are listening now that maybe don't have the insight of the story that we do, and you keep we, we keep referring to Robles Park, uh, you know, Robles Village. There was a gentleman by the name of Robles. Can yeah. you give us a little bit of, on him? You know, he doesn't really have much to do with the story. R- Robles, just, just was, he was a landowner. There you go. Um, yeah. And the pond out in that area was named for him. And so Robles Pond Community was named after the pond that was next to their neighborhood. The, in the, case somebody Robles, wanted to know who Robles was. And the Robles family still here because I'm yeah. friends with one of them. Uh, it's a white family, um, and and uh, but yeah, Lando. There's no proof that Ro- that Robles actually ever owned part of the Robles Pond community. In fact, if you if you look at the um, original land deeds, it, it was all uh, black men and women, mostly women, who owned who originally purchased a property out there, um, you know, to form the community. But though, when the city expanded, they came in and said, "Hey, we're putting in paved roads and lights and." Now you owe us money here, you know, um, improvement fees. Sure. And if they couldn't pay, and this was part of a state law that you could do this back then, if you couldn't pay the fees, then the land could be taken from you and reverted back to a previous <laughs> owner. And if they couldn't pay, then to another previous owner. Wow. So Zion at that time was completely filled. It was no longer a profitable enterprise. There was no money coming in. There was no one left who could be buried there. They didn't pay. It reverted back to the original landowner's daughter, who was white. She lived in California at the time. She sells that property to H.P. Kennedy. H.P. Kennedy, then go, who is a former city councilman, a wealthy developer, he goes to city council in 1929 and he says, hey, I own this land and when I bought it, it came with these fees. But, you know, cemeteries aren't supposed to be charged these fees. And the city council said, you're right. You're not supposed to be charged these fees. It's all waived. So the fees that cost in the cemetery are now waived. A month later... So he gave it back to the black community, right? Of course not. A month later, (laughs) he goes to city council and he gets building permits by city council to build on Zion Cemetery. Now remember, a month earlier, maybe two months, don't quote me exactly on that, city council admitted that was cemetery land. And then... 30, 60 days later, they give him building permits, and he Paulie, puts it wasn't, up it, But it wasn't a potter's field. It was no. a cemetery with headstones and Heads- markers, proper markers. So yes. that had to be all lifted and removed and eradicated before he could article, build. In an article, I believe in around 1923, the Tampa Tribune referred to Zion as one of the most beautiful and largest cemeteries in the city. Of course it was. Of course. Oh so God. this was not... Yeah, this was not a potter field without headstones. Thank this you. was no, a just, major cemetery. Just clarify that this was not a city council that I was on, correct? No, not at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and where's so, my belt? And so, yeah, and so they built over it, and slowly but surely, um, so they built storefronts, and then a few years later, a few houses pop up on the property, and then in the 1950s, um, the Housing Authority purchases all of it to build Robles Park Village, and it, and they do that, and they displace the entire Robles Pond community, a historic black community, and Robles Park was a white housing development back then. And as they're building it in 1950, they come upon three caskets. They say, hey, we found this casket. The city said, oh, those are from Zion. And then the housing authority says, what should What's we do? What's a Zion? And, and they said, well, Zion Cemetery was all moved. And they said it was moved to something like 1915, which there was, I don't even know where they got that number from. And so they just kept building as though nothing ever happened. And, and this is what the precursor, I guess, of today's Tampa Housing Authority. Yeah. Um, so, Yvette, what? 
So now what you're hearing these details at, at the time, three, four years ago, you know, what, what was your reaction? Were you surprised? Were you shocked? Uh, did You grew up here, didn't you? Yes, born and raised. Yeah. Tampeña. Well, <laughs> um, I was um, shocked and um, definitely a bit, not a bit, a lot sad, you know, hurt. Hurt set in because... This cemetery, we were taught, everyone knows that cemeteries are sacred grounds. So it's, it's just, you know, you don't mess with them. And that's where you honor the dead. And you, if a loved one's there, then you can go there and place flowers on there or do some stuff. Final you resting know, like, place. Yeah, resting, final resting place. And so um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a great deal of hurt. Um, and uh, I had so much compassion for the people who had to see this being covered up, but then they couldn't say anything because of those days and those times at the time. So, um, mm. And then to find out... I remember when you came to council to talk about this issue, and um, <clears throat> I think it was 2019 or thereabouts. I remember you being emotional, really emotional mm-hmm. at that time. You're still emotional as we sit here today, that's something hard to shake, isn't it? It is. It it really is. It, and um, it was something that you just never thought that you would be able to live and experience this here. And it's not an experience that you're saying this is a fun experience. It's you actually, you know, African-American people have gone through so much with slavery and so much of losing towns and losing lands um, all because of the sake of, let's be honest, the color of their skin. So for this story to come out and to hear this, um, it it was really uh, very moving, very emotional. Um, The community was, you know, I got a lot of support from the community, but I, my problem is, John, I didn't get much support from the city of Tampa with this whole thing. So um, somebody has to write this wrong part of history. You gotta st- somebody needs to step up. Yes. And I apologize that it didn't happen with me there, uh, 2019, 2020, but we're going to talk about that in a minute. Mario, what you got? Well, I just wanted to remind everybody, if you're just joining us now at the bottom of the hour, we are talking today to Paul Guzzo. We are talking to Miss Yvette Lewis. And we're talking about the cemeteries that, uh, African-American cemeteries that historically have been just completely obliterated, in some cases uh, ignored and disrespected to the point that uh, buildings uh, have been paved over. And, you know, it's, it's, it's something that is not isolated, as we find out, John, in our research, to our fair city. We know and thank goodness that that Paul Guzzo has been led down this incredible trail and because he's such a pugnacious scribe and he loves to dig his his hands and get dirty and he doesn't mind he don't he, you know he's from Jersey so yeah, he don't, he don't back up it's the Jersey it's the Jersey in him he don't back up uh and a dog with a bone kind of stuff i mean we talked about it before we went on the air today that uh, you know there there should be there should be high praise and recognition for for Paul and his team uh, for stepping into this breach and bringing this important subject to light. I mean, you, you, you don't throw around Pulitzer Prize uh, very lightly, but 
I, damn it, I think this qualifies, and I think that uh, this could be certainly a candidate for that. Paul won't be the one to say it. We'll say it for him. Also, Paul, I have my question to you is if you'd like to join the conversation, please call us. If you've got something to contribute to this conversation, 813-239-9663. Paul, we're jumping around a little bit, but this is not an isolated incident. This is something that in towns all over this country, because of the way that we have handled, and man, we are, I don't know if we're ever going to fix this thing because it, it's going to take so much will. I think that what we're going through now politically in this country is just the last gasps, although it tends to go away for about 75 years and then it resurfaces again. We've been here before, but why is it always the African-American community and what is it about cemeteries that they disregard so much? Um it's There's real, a lot there, Paul. So it, no, no, it, it's actually a pretty simple answer. It was real estate. So as, as land, the, as the city expanded and uh, started annexing the, these historic black communities, they wanted to keep putting development up. They needed place for houses, and cemeteries were in the way. And so, so uh, when a white cemetery was in the way, it would get moved. You actually you see that in the record. The Catholic cemetery, which is where Sacred Heart Academy is, uh, the the vacant Sacred Heart Academy is located, was right next to Zion Cemetery. They moved that cemetery. They pick, they exhumed the bodies and and moved them. I'm sure, in a very proper because the people who um, were buried there, their families had voices. Zion, nobody there had a voice. They had power. But and and from speaking to many historians, this. The developers probably would have built over the white cemeteries too, if they could have. Except no, they there was too many people with power to stop them from doing that. It was just about real estate, and it was likely just about doing something that is more economically feasible. It is cheaper to pick up the headstones and throw them to the side than it is to exhume a thousand bodies and move them somewhere. Sure, else. if you're talking about the 1920s. Um, you, if you're a black person and you make too much noise, you might end up gone. You know, yeah. Well, Jim Crow was in full Jim effect. Crow it in was. Full effect. There were there were powerful people buried in in Zion. I mean, uh, uh, Richard Doby uh, from Dobyville, Dobyville yeah. or Richard Doby founded Zion Cemetery. His son is buried there. If Richard Doby didn't have the voice to speak up, who who did? There's a gentleman buried there named um, L. G. Caro, and I've become like obsessed with his history. He at one point there was talk about him running for city council, even mayor. He was the endorsement um, back then. If you got his endorsement, it was in the newspaper. LG Caro endorses so-and-so. Like, it was headlines. Uh, he helped found Bethel Baptist Church. So there are people, the, the Spotford family has plenty of people buried there. Their, their, their name is on a community center here. I mean, there are powerful families were buried there, and they just still had no voice to step up and say anything. The yeah. system does what the system's going to do. And, and unfortunately, to hear you tell the story, Paulie, this— and, and and again, this has probably repeated itself over and over again across the country. What have you learned? What has your research well, done? Has I mean, anybody else reached out to you from another part of the country saying, Paul, you know what? That happened here too. I, I get people reach out to me all the time and ask if I can help them with the research in theirs. And I just respond, I have to just focus on here. But I mean, think of it. After Zion, since then, 10 more have come to light just mm. in the Tampa Bay area. Um, Medill Air Force Base most recently. Yeah, yeah, five and five of them archaeologists have been able to prove the bodies are still there. If you looked at the other six, I think, you know, you probably would too. Like the ground penetrating radar is, is, a, is an interesting thing yeah. 
Uh, it's kind of looks like a lawnmower, and they, they sort of run it across. It's the, the forensic science that that mm -hmm. it had to catch. We had to technology had to catch up for us to be able to do these things. You know, they're right. they're they're cold casing murder mysteries now fifty years ago because now we finally have mm -hmm. the technology to be able to you know to put somebody. Uh, catch somebody, uh, uh, the, uh, the criminal, as it were. And now, because we have this technology available, we're able to do this. It's it's a long time in coming, but we need to fix this before we go any further with this. It's, this is not isolated because well, Woodlawn was under attack a few years ago yeah. and now Cologne Cemetery. Today, to this day, Cologne Cemetery. So cemeteries are under attack. They want that land back. Well, the thing is, this wasn't a complete secret. Uh, if you look through news archives, you will see people mentioning sometimes in passing, oh, and my grandmother's grave is underneath the storefront um, and, and, and in newspapers. But it just wasn't taken seriously. I just whether or not nobody wanted to believe it uh, or they didn't care. Um, but people had been speaking up for years, talking to our cemeteries all over the area. But it was just after Zion came out uh, and that story all of those past whispers suddenly became screams. Like, now we can believe them. We see this as possible. Mm -hmm. And pretty much every single one of those stories did turn out to be true. Again, 11 possible in the Tampa Bay area. And some people say, does that mean we're worse than other areas? And I think it was uh, Rodney Kaipal at the History Center said, I, he said, you can't say that we're the worst. It's just we're the only area that went actively seeking them. And perhaps if, if you went to other counties throughout the country, you might find the same thing. Because again... If Rodney, were, Rodney being with the Tampa Bay Tampa History, History Center. Because if you were forming your own community in the 1800s, like I said before, you needed a school, a church, and a cemetery. Because you, especially a cemetery, you could not get a casket 10, 15, 20 miles away back then. So if you were to look at every historic black community, you know, in the South, it, there's a very good chance that there's a cemetery that if it was not moved is still there. Yeah. Yvette, um, so where did this take us next in terms of um, the community getting involved. I think Black Lives Matter was sort of coming in at right around that same time period. But um, I know that uh, groups started forming the uh, the uh, uh, housing authority and folks over there, um, you know, got involved because a third mm -hmm. of the property was theirs. So uh, what happened next? So first of all, <clears throat> we have to acknowledge what happened and tell our truth. We have to change the verbiage. These cemeteries weren't lost. They were stolen, and then they were somewhere forgotten. I don't even think they, that verbiage is correct when it comes to forgotten. I just think people just couldn't speak up, okay? So the cemeteries were stolen, stolen from the African-American community. Yeah. Now, where do we go from here? Definitely, let's tell the truth. So we talk about Tampa uh Tampa Hist Museum History Center, put the truth in there about what actually really happened with these cemeteries. Um, I would love to see the truth being told. I would love to see the city of Tampa um, step up to the plate and sit down with the NAA NAACP and say, hey, Let's talk about how do we fix this? How do we right this wrong? Where do we go from here? And, you know, there were, there may be some things that come out that it's time to give back to the community because that's just a cemetery. Let us not forget the Garrison Channel down, uh, which is now Channel Side, 
that land was taken from African-American community. You talked about the scrubs earlier. It was taken in because they were forming, what, the highway. So there are many African-American communities that are completely um, erased, gone, eradicated. Uh, and now you're looking at East Tampa, who is being gentrified. So those are some of the things that are coming out that we need to talk about and that we need to say. And this city administration, it's time for them to have the honest and candid conversation. And, you know, and we can help with that. So I, I was real optimistic at the beginning in 2019, 2020, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, because there were, seemed like positive meetings going on. They put together an, arch, an architectural plan for um, sort of a memorial park over there at Zion. Um, I was talking to um, uh, folks at the Housing Authority in the last day or two. Um, they said there's still a committee that, that is meeting, but it seems like it's stalled a little bit, um, perhaps for lack of funds. Um, I don't know if it's stalled for lack of enthusiasm or effort, but it seems to have stalled for lack of funds. It's always funds. What's your, what's your take on that, Yvette? The, I question what those committees are doing mm-hmm. because I'm not understanding. So um, the NAACP um, has a spot on those committees, but however, somehow or another, the Tampa Housing Authority um, didn't want us there, I guess maybe because we were too vocal about it. Okay. So um, again, our voices are being silenced. Our voices, uh, you want us there, but you don't want us to say anything. So... I, I believe think, you and Connie Burton were sort of excommunicated yeah. from the yeah. from the group. Yeah. Uh-huh. Getting a little rowdy there? We were. So one of the things that we talked about there was putting up the plaque. When they put up the plaque, they had this verbiage on this plaque, and the verbiage was not um, accurate. And so I was like, you know, you're not telling the truth. And nobody cleared that with you before they put the plaque together because once they cast that thing, it's like bronze and you know That's it's it. expensive. So we, and we pushed back on that, and so the thing was, they still wanted everything to look rosy, pretty, and picture. But our our history is our history. It may not be pretty, but at least tell the truth because if you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you're going. And the the people today, and the people, my kids, grandkids. You, everybody's children moving forward. They need to know the truth because this is how we got here because no one back then was able to say anything. I'm not going to say they didn't have the right. I'm just going to say they were afraid sure. because we've lost several towns in the state of Florida and all over the world, actually, because black folks choose to speak up. And so that could have easily happened here, but it didn't. So my thing is, if you're going to tell the truth, tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got an, uh, an email. I just want to read this quick email. It comes from one of our ardent uh, listeners. It says, um, what's been learned of, of Black Republican Reconstruction Era leader Robert Meacham's grave? Mm-hmm. Thanks to the championing of such a, a mission. And that's from one of our uh, So uh, Robert uh, Meacham, was, um, he was buried in College Hill Cemetery. College Hill Cemetery... Uh, a stack of records point was located where the Italian Club Cemetery's parking lot is today. The Italian Club purchased that property in the 50s. Um, it's private property, which so the city has really no control over what's going on there. But the Italian Club 
uh, almost a year ago, I happened to be driving by, just happened to be driving by, and I saw somebody out there scanning with ground-penetrating radar. Really? Um, so the Italian club did scan the property, but almost a year later, they still have not said what the results were. I know from um, Paul, you're you're a Pison. What you know? You didn't have any cloud over there. To- <laughs> um, apparently, the city doesn't either, because according to public records, um, uh, the city has twice emailed the Italian club to ask them what the results were. Um, they didn't even reply to the emails. I have probably um, called the Italian club. I will guess a dozen times. Um, they've never returned my calls. On one occasion, I did get a hold of them for another matter, and they commented on that other matter. And when I asked about the cemetery, um, basically they hung up. No, no, no. Basically hung up on me. Wow. Uh, so they've not commented. But again, it's private property. So, um, mm. you know, and they're not. But there's moral. There's moral and ethical issues. But it, for me, I just want to know because I'm a reporter and you yeah. always want to find Yvette, has, You guys reached out to the Italian club? Yes, I've reached out to them several times, and I got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Hasn't there traditionally or historically, better said, not traditionally, but historically, been somewhat of a tortured relationship between the uh, African-American community and the uh, and the Italian American community, I mean, it goes all the way back up north. You know, you you think about Apollo Creed and, and Rocky Balboa. I mean, it, you know, does it go all the way back to Julius Caesar, Mark Anthony? I don't know who was Cleopatra. You figure it out. But but I mean, there's always been like that bad feeling of and why you know Rocky Balboa sliced alone uh, could have picked any other foil in that you know, but he picked an African American. And so I'm just saying, You're it's, just saying, well, it's the obvious we are, we are elephant down, in the room. The show is called Down and Dirty, and I'm going to be. A little down and dirty at this point. I have a lot of friends. Was that not down and dirty enough? No, it is. It all is. right, let's go. But I have a lot of friends in the Italian club, all the way up to <clears throat> fou- founders of the Italian club. Don't uh, we all? Well, maybe not founders, but re- you know, recent poobahs over there. And shame on them. Shame on all of them for not stepping up. If they just have, answer the question. They man. have results. Let's address the results. It's. Nobody's asking them to tear up their own cemetery, but it's the parking lot, right? Well, and look, either, either the bodies are there, and if they are, then yes, yeah, something should be done to memorialize it. There is a, a historic marker, by the way, mentioning College Hill Cemetery, but if the bodies are there, there are more actions that could be taken. If they're not there, then it opens up the next question, where have they gone? I, I was once called by uh, siblings, and I wrote a story about this, who they said when the retention pond next to the Italian Club Cemetery was being dug, they uh, climbed inside to, to play in a giant hole as kids would do. Um, I think it was probably in the 70s. And they said they stumbled upon just a collection of bodies. So at one and everything they told me matches up. Um, so that would be like bones. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. And I, I, their details just matched up with so much other detail um, that I had no reason to disbelieve them. So I did write, write the story. So at some point, somebody did dig up bodies and move them. Whether they moved them all or not, we would only know by looking at it. And, and to address that question, so listeners know Meacham, um, he was a freed enslaved man who went on to become a state senator and champion education throughout the state. This was inarguably one of the most important residents who lived in this city at that time of any race, religion, sex, anything. And yeah, his body might be there and he needs to be better known. So I've got, uh, I just want to direct this mm-hmm. to Yvette. Yvette, you know, th- this whole uh, conversation that we're having today at, at times can be painful and very, you know, 
uncomfortable, but it needs to, we need to have it and we need to keep having it. The race uh, relations in this country have always been just bobbing above the surface and then it kind of goes down for a little bit, a few years, a decade. Maybe we don't have any, uh, you know, trouble as it were. And then, you know, but it seems to be now living on the surface or breaching the surface. It's in our face all the time. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we've seen it and it's not getting any better. It, how... What hope do you have in your heart? And I know you live with this every day when you wake up in the morning as the leader of the NAACP. What, you know, do, do you have hope that people are starting to wake up and starting to listen? Are the young people coming to the conversation? And then I got something for Paulie in a second. So um, each day, yes, there are people who are asking more questions and asking more questions. And how um, can I help? Um let my voice be heard. Um, this is, you know, an atrocity, a, 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 a great a, atrocity, atrocity, yeah. Atrocity. Mm-hmm. And it just should not uh, have happened. And so we do have that. But one thing I, I really want to say is the African American, we have always been in the forefront, but we've always been in the bottom when it comes to race, okay? We're the only race that has not been respected for their history and for the trauma that this country and people have inflicted on them. So see, if you look at the history of it, they were brought here in slave ships. They were brought here because they needed manpower to work and to do this. Free labor. Free labor. But this country has never owned up to it. And when we speak about it now, you hear people say, oh, you're making us feel guilty. You're making us look bad. Um, No, you did that to yourself. How about this? Slavery wasn't so bad. We heard that in Tallahassee last year, right? Yeah. Uh Yeah. So you, you get that, but... Other other races have gone through more and experienced a lot, but they've been compensated. Let us not forget. Let's go back to the cemeteries. The, the garage they were building downtown, they found an Indian burial there. The mayor at that time sat down with the Indians and had a conversation, and they did some land swap with them. So they were compensated. Is that Cotanchobee? Cotanchobee Park or Fort Brooke, one of those? Fort Brooke. Yeah. hmm Yeah. So they owned up to it. So African-Americans, and you know, and, and it's funny because the cer- certain people, Republican Party, they, and I had to say it, they want the word reparations to sound like a bad word when right. it comes to us. When I say us, I mean African-American people. But there are many races in the United States that that received everything and then some because of what their people went through. But yet when we ask for the simplest thing, we can't get that. I think it's, you know, I think we've discussed it here on the show before. It's the the two things that this country is still battling with, uh, you know, the Trail of Tears and and what we did Mm. With, uh, with Native Americans, certainly. And then, of course, followed immediately by uh, the enslavement of, of, of a whole race uh, for the better part of 400 years. So, I mean, unless and until we come to grips with, with you know, look, 
I don't know how you solve the reparations issue. That's that's probably a big, big, heavy, heavy lift. But it it, it goes a long way by acknowledging acknowledging, as you say, suggesting that we we at least take ownership of it. Paulie, the question that I have for you it's 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 kind of a rhetorical one. But you know, you've been doing this for a minute. You've been you've been you've long been time. living with this for a minute. <laughs> the king of and, cemeteries. And in, and on top of everything else that you do because you know you're raising your family, you you write other stories. This isn't the preeminent story of the day, but it is one that's always right there with you. Mm-hmm. It's on your nightstand. I mean, you're constantly referring to that folder, you know, f- uh, theoretically. You're always going to it. You're always going figuratively. You're always going to it. Um my question is when you hit a new vein and new information comes to you, that you hadn't heretofore uh, learned about. Does that hair on the back of your neck stand up? I would ask you if the hair on the top of your head stood up. But brother, you ain't got no hair. I'm just saying, you ain't got no hair. I am constantly looking for new information because, and man, am I at dead ends. At this point, the only way to solve if the remaining um, locations do still have cemeteries um, whether College Hill Cemetery is still there, whether the black section of Marti Cologne is underneath that shopping plaza. Across the street on Columbus, yes. Yes. North, north of Columbus. Whether or not all those cemeteries are still there is for somebody to bring out ground-penetrating radar. There's only so much I can do as a journalist. At some point, it is up to other people to, to step up. See, this um, is that's this what is, I'm waiting for. This is where somebody with resources capable and and a conscience and a big heart could really serve the community by coming forth and saying, "Listen, stroke that check. How much is that GPR going to cost us?" Yeah, but us? the owners and have the text- to the owners have to allow it, which is a huge part. Because Mario, they're we've what we've got. We've got a call. Let's because go. they're landowners, right? Yeah, 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 landowners. Okay, and land. We we discussed that. Land is the thing. Caller, you've been waiting patiently. You're on the air. Tell us your name and where you're calling from, unless you don't want to tell us your name. Um, I'll just say, yeah, my name is DeAndre. There it is. Hey, DeAndre. Hey, Mario. I, I call often different shows. And uh, past that, I just want to thank the two guests from the bottom of my heart. Um, I come from downtown, and my family does. And um, they've worked between a lot of service, uh, domestic and service workers. So... You know, garbage, water, a lot of that stuff. And I've sat and heard stories amongst coworkers on this since I was a little boy. It's hard calling. This is my second call. I couldn't hold it together. Um, so I just want to point that out. Uh, if you look at something, um, I'll send my email later. Um, but I mean, it's right there for you. Um, check with, uh, Check with some of those people if they're still around. Um, they will happily tote, you know, how hard they've had to work and what they've had to go through um, while living in the Scrubs, a.k.a. Central Park. Um, uh, Garrison was well, a little bit before the Selman, uh, a good bit before the Selman, I guess. But, um, yeah, um, I just want to thank you all, and I, I got I got it. Well, I got to go. We always thank you for listening, DeAndre, and, and, and contributing to our show mightily. Um, he, he's got a great point. As we come to almost the close of another show, this hour this, has this one flew, evaporated. Flew. Uh, we, we can't get out of here. We're going to mention your event that's that's forthcoming, uh, Yvette. But so so let's, let's try to bring this back around to the action question mm-hmm. here. Is there something that the community can do at large that's been listening to this show today that may listen to it in the archives 
that have information they want to share with you? How do they reach out to either you, Paul, or, or to you, Yvette? To tell you, you know, what they know and they, oh, they've got a story like DeAndre. Or that saying. they've got $5 million to kick in. Here we go. <laughs> hey, what a blessing. So definitely you can reach out to the NAACP, HillsboroughCountyBranch.org. You can go to our website. All of our contact information is on there. You can call our office. Um, you're more than welcome to um, even come visit the office as well. We would love to hear your stories. We would love to document your stories. We would love to, you know, and make sure your stories are getting told and getting told accurately. But my, my one thing, wish here, the takeaway is accountability for all of this. The city of Tampa... If they would say, let's sit down and let's discuss this and let's see how do we move forward and heal some of the hearts that has been broken behind this here. While they're city. still here, while those descendants of those people are still here. Johnny? Yeah. Do you have a question? Um, comment? Comment. In regard to the city, I totally agree with you that um, I'm... I'm I'm ashamed that we didn't do it in 2019, 2020 when I was still there, but it's not too late. Mm -hmm. City council members, some of them listen. Uh, If they don't, give them a call and give the mayor's office a call and tell them that this is important. The city can step up. The city always has an extra million or $2 million in their budget every year. Okay, they always do. We know it. Uh, You've you've seen it, Yvette. Mm -hmm. You You just dig around and you can find it. Okay, a council member needs to make a motion this summer for a million, two million dollars to start as seed money for a nice memorial over at Zion. It's not fixing it, it's not curing it, but I think it's a big step. If they have that seed money, then I think other people will jump in. I think the private sector will jump in with donations. Mm-hmm. I think the federal government will jump in. I think the state of Florida is hopeless um, <laughs> right right now. But that's another that's We're another working story. on that. We're that's working a, on that's that. That's another story. I We're feel, flipping districts. I feel very strongly that city council can do that. And if the mayor is not on board, they can push the mayor to do it. Because at the end of the day, city council controls the, the budget, as, as we know. Paul, uh, real quick, nationally, when I, when I was doing my Google research in the last couple of days, I saw that national organization. It's fascinating what's popped up. Um, what's it called? National the the the, the 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 cemetery network out of USF, yeah. correct? What's well, is it out of USF? Yes. USF and and kudos to USF, Doctor Jackson, yeah, uh, Doctor um, what's the uh, the Latin Rodriguez? Yes, Doctor Rodriguez. Ra- Rodriguez. Thank you. Um, they're stepping up. They've created task forces to look at this. And uh, what do they call that organization? Uh, USF something or other African American yeah. cemetery yes. some, something yeah. or other. They've done a nice job. They mm-hmm. had a good program over at um, at the History Center. Um, I'm worried that Tallahassee might shut that sort of thing down mm. because, God forbid, we're talking about an African-American issue on campus. But anyway, I'm, I'm on my horse. Guilt, guilt is, a, is, a, is a bad thing, huh? I mean, when these people start talking about it and all of a sudden you're talking about that, no, we don't want to talk about that. And I think that's probably what it is, what yeah. Yvette was talking about earlier. They can't admit to it because it's just too much. Yeah. It's too much on their psyche. Before we get out of here, we're getting close to the end. Tell us a little bit about 
uh, your Health Expo and Community Olympics. Come on, we have the flyer. I've got All the right, flyer. so Come on. really excited. Let's so, end on a happy note. Yeah, so we're talking, so the NAACP is going to have our first annual, um, the Health Expo Community Olympics. We invite the community to come out. We're going to have some health uh, workshops talking about health, being preventive and um, with your health and we have, um, we're going to have the Olympics piece that will have swimming, um, uh, trike, three-on-three basketball, last man standing when it comes to lying dance. We'll have a kid's zone. It's going to be big. It's huge. I encourage everyone to go out to our website, look at it, um, be a part of it. And so, and, and come on out and educate yourself. And it's April 13th, right? April 13th is the date. So we're well ahead and we've got... Yeah, ample time to get involved, yeah. and if you if you can contribute or volunteer, that would be a good thing to Most do definitely. for your community. Yes, and so and even still uh, to compete, if you can compete in the Olympics, definitely come on. And who's going to take the gold? I the love bronze it. or the silver? I love it, Paulie. What's next for you? What's going on? What's in the offing for you? Um, I'll just remind that uh, St. Joseph's AIDS Society uh, Cemetery is under uh, homes over in the Montana City Subdivision in Tampa. College Hill Cemetery might be under the Italian Club parking lot. Um, uh, Marti Colon's Black Section might be under the plaza across the street from Marti Colon Cemetery. O- uh, Oak Lawn Cemetery's Black Section might be underneath that parking lot over the FDOT next to the cemetery. Uh, we won't know until somebody steps up and that's, does that's something. That's in St. Petersburg. No, that no, one's that's in right Tampa. Here. Tampa. Oh, that's Tampa. Yeah, so um, we won't know answers until somebody steps up and do so- does something. So that's just what I want to leave. St. Petersburg got big issues over there right on the property. Yeah, they, they had an Oakland Cemetery also where yeah. the Tropicana field was, yes. Right. Um, and the you know, and also two, uh, this, this uh, 275 over there yeah. uh, got built on part of yeah. one of those cemeteries. I mean, listen, this is some evil stuff we're talking about, y'all. This is evil stuff. The National Cemetery website I was talking about, you can find it online. If you go to uh, the USF site and go to Paul Guzzo, you can find it. Fascinating. I just sat there clicking last night, looking at these cemeteries all across the country that are either gone or in a state of horrible disrepair. Mm -hmm. And this isn't just in the South, by the way. This Mm -hmm. touches some of the northern states as well. Mario, take us out. Listen, you got to follow Paul Guzzo, okay? If you don't do it now, I mean, if you haven't been doing it up until now, do it. Follow Paul. He's got his finger on the pulse, and he works together with Yvette Lewis. And thank you both for coming in here today and sharing what is, uh, you know, your your hard research, uh, your heartfelt feelings, and, and everything that's important to this conversation. You have a home here at WMNF. And you have a home with us on Down and Dirty. So if you need to come back and give us an update, please do. For now, from now on, from this day forward until November, we're going to remind people to register to vote. If you want to vote absentee, you've got to contact the supervisor's office. Voting is critical. You've been listening to WMNF 88.5 Tampa, Florida. This has been Down and Dirty. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.